Good morning. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We invite you to stand up and worship with us this morning. We've got some great music.
here today. If you are a guest with us today, we want you to know that it is our honor and privilege to have you here. Whether you're here in the room with us next door in the video theater or watching online, we do not take for granted that you have chosen to spend some time here with us today. So thank you so much for that. We're going to continue on this morning. We're going to be singing another song and then Dave is going to come out and finish part three of the Be Rich series. So we are so excited about the opportunity to continue talking about generosity. Thanks for being here today. Welcome to church. Let's sing this together. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished. The end is written with Jesus Christ, my living hope. It's good news this morning. Let's see who could imagine. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. And the cross is spoken, I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. And beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living. Come on, let's sing it together. Oh, and hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Your very body 
out of the silence the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me come on let's sing it again then came the morning that sealed the promise in your very body began to breathe lift it up worship this morning. Well, hey guys, my name is Luther and I'm one of the pastors here and we are so glad you guys are hanging out with us today. You guys can go on and have a seat. For those of you that need to get ready for offering in a few minutes, that's going to happen in a few minutes. So if you're like me and you're old and you still write checks, get that ready. Um, So we'll do that in just a minute after I pray. But I just want to let you guys know that we are so glad you joined us today, whether you're here in the room with me, you're next door in the video theater, or if you're joining us online You're the reason that folks showed up here this morning before 6 o'clock and got all this stuff ready. Um, We want to give you an opportunity to figure out who Jesus is and why God loved you so much to send him. And so we're just glad you're hanging out with us today. I love those songs we just did. Both those last two songs that we finished with this morning had, had hallelujah in it. And we all sang it. And I'm willing to bet some of us don't even know what that means. You know, hallelujah means to boast in God. Um, to praise God. And so it's basically my value is because of God. Everything I do is because of God. And it's the reason we give here. It's the reason that we're for Clarksville. And it's the reason we're doing Be Rich right now. Um, because we understand that for people not here already, that that our generosity and the way we serve and the way we love are the ways people are going to get to meet Jesus. And so we're going to boast in him. We're going we're gonna to love more than we're really capable of. We're going to give generously because God gave generously when he sent us Jesus. We're going to serve people because when Jesus was here, he served people. And so I hope that when you sing that word hallelujah, remember we're boasting in God because God did give and God did serve and God did love us. And so we're going to boast in that this morning. Let me pray for our offering real quick. Dear God, I love you. And God, this morning, I believe that you are big and you are real, and God, you're in this place. And so, God, I pray that as we are faithful and we do our part in giving, 
that God, you'll do the God stuff, and you'll you'll take those that money, and you'll change lives with it. God, you'll reach out into our community and find that that couple that, that their marriage is falling apart, their kids aren't behaving, they're they're running out of money before they run out of month, and that God will step into their lives and we'll look like Jesus and we'll share your truths. And so God, do the God stuff as we're faithful and give this morning. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right, guys, if you're in the room, we've got buckets on the le- on my left. You are right. We're going to pass those across. Uh, you also see all the ways behind me that you can give, whether that's through the app, setting up your online giving, which is what I do. Uh, I like to say mine comes out on the 7th every month, and so I love that email I get when I when I know that I have this little moment of worship on the 7th every month where I get to kind of be excited and worship God in my giving, not just in the way that, that I sing, so. Um, but that's going across. You see all the ways to give. We are in, we're finishing up Be Rich today. Uh, and so for the first two weeks of that, we had some opportunities and some things you could do. And if you weren't with us or you just haven't had your chance yet, um, we're doing Be Rich, uh, the giving. So we're giving $39.95, or you're giving $39.95, and then we're going to give all of that away. So even if you swiped a card or uh, did something where we had a merchant services fee, we're going to cover that as the church and we're giving that entire $39.95 away to a local ministry called Radical Mission. And they just kind of meet folks where they are. And so if folks need clothes or they need a box of food, they need some job counseling or just some counseling to kind of figure out getting their life together, Radical Mission does that right here in our community. And we thought, what a wonderful place to bless with this offering. And so uh, we're going to celebrate that in a couple weeks as we present them with a check. Uh, last week, we had an opportunity um, to serve in our local community. And so we found four or five really good serving opportunities, and they're available on the Be Rich website. Uh, you can text Be Rich to 25827, and a link will come back to your phone. You click that, it'll take you to the Be Rich site. The only thing you have to know before you start spelunking around and finding somewhere to serve is you need to check one church at the top. If not, you'll be serving at one of the other 75 communities across this country that are doing Be Rich. And so, hey, maybe you want a road trip to serve, so you can knock that out. But uh, we want to serve right here in our community and, and, and see God's name made big in Clarksville. So, guys, I'm super excited. Dave is going to be out, and we're going to wrap up week three of Be Rich. We call it Be Rich, an extravaganza of generosity. We're asking 100% of you to give. And then, and here's the magic, and here's the beauty, and here's the promise. We give 100% of it away. We have partnered with some of the most fabulous nonprofit organizations in your community. Years ago, we decided, let's just find the organizations that are knocking it out of the park, and let's go to those organizations and say, how can we help? donations, your gifts today, they will be game changers for our partners and they are life changers for the people they serve. Hey, good morning, One Church. How are you doing? Hey, come on, we can do so much. It's 1030. It's actually almost 11. Good morning, One Church. How are you doing? 
There we go. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, uh, just to introduce myself, my name is Dave Thompson. I'm the student pastor here. I actually have the greatest job in the world where I get to spend every Wednesday night hanging out with middle and high school students at Inside Out, hashtag best night of the week. Uh, I, I absolutely love it. It is so amazing. However, every now and then I get to come here on a Sunday morning and hang out with like actual human beings. And it's just so different and, and wonderful and new. And no, I'm just like, I love my kids. They're amazing. Uh, if you guys want to make me feel really comfortable, really like at home here today, I just want to ask you just to pay absolutely no attention to anything I say. Um, go ahead, pull out your phones, play Fortnite, uh, you know, get, out, get, get, do what? Fortnite is garbage, I agree. So anyway, just get out your phones, pay absolutely no attention to what I'm doing, what I'm saying, and just that'll make me feel really comfortable and really at home. No, I'm just playing. I love it. Guys, we're in Be Rich. Have you guys enjoyed being rich the past three weeks? Thank you, all two of you. Ma, I appreciate you over there. Um, no, guys, this, is, this has been something I've been looking forward to for years, actually. It's something that we've been talking about for a long time, and we finally decided to do it. So back in July, Chris kind of handed me uh, the reins on this and basically put me in control as, like, the general over this project. So this is something that I've been working on since July, and just to see it happen and see it come into fruition and, uh, and just experience it, I am just... I'm so overjoyed with, with what we as a church have done. The whole point of this is to create an explosion of generosity. We want to tell our community that we are for them as we have started with, with four Clarksville, right? And this is just a part of that. This is a way for us to get outside of our walls and, and bring an explosion of generosity to our community. And so week one, we had Andy Stanley, who most of you guys don't really know who that is. But like in my world, in, in professional speaking gig world and professional communicating and church world, like he is the LeBron James of pastors, um, if I could just put that in perspective for you, like he is just amazing. And so uh, we had Andy Stanley open us up and he challenged us to 100% of us give a one-time donation of $39.95. And I actually got to um, count how many people participated and count up how much money we had come in and that kind of thing in that first week. And I just want you guys to know that I am so thrilled and so humbled by, by what you guys did that first week. Just the, the way you guys responded so well, it had me in tears, which doesn't take me a whole lot because I'm a girl, but you know, like you guys just knocked it out of the park. However, it was not 100%. And so if you're here and you have not participated in this and you want to, and you want to help us reach that goal, please, this is our last week. Go give a one-time donation of $39.95. I promise you, you will not regret it. Uh, we are going to give 100% of what you give away. Then last week, we had uh, Jeff Foxworthy and Andy, uh, Andy Stanley kind of give us the idea of serving, getting out of these walls, getting out into our community, doing something for our community that is not just localized to this church. And so I spent months trying to find as many service projects as I could, talking to nonprofits and built up a list of things. And so if you have not signed up to serve, please text be rich to uh, 25827, I believe is the number. Um, yeah, 25827. Please text be rich to that number or just go to berich.org and then select one church and like you can just do it all through there. But please go sign up to serve. It's going to be over the course of the next few months, actually, we're going to be out in the community serving. So so please, if you haven't participated yet. And then finally, that brings us to today. Now, let me give you a little backstory about how I wound up preaching to you this morning. So a few weeks ago, Chris said, hey, Dave, you know, you're just, you're just, a, 
you're a real swell guy. Um, swell. You're a pretty good communicator. Hey, uh, you are so passionate about Be Rich and about what we're doing, and you've kind of generaled this thing. Would you mind preaching the last message of the series? And I was like, oh my gosh, like that is an honor, and I'm humbled. Yes, absolutely, sir. Please, yeah, I'll definitely take that from you. By the way, who's teaching the other two messages? Andy Stanley and Jeff Foxworthy? Then it hit me that I, Dave Thompson, was going to be teaching in a series as well as Jeff Foxworthy and Andy freaking Stanley. And again, Andy Stanley doesn't mean anything to you because you don't, you know, you're not in my world. But just imagine if you were going to play some like basketball, right? You're going to play some 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 32 tips. Is that a game? I, I don't sport. I don't athletic. Um, you, you're going to play some basketball, you know, some some sports ball. And and all of a sudden, Michael Jordan and LeBron James walks out, and you're playing there with them. It sounds awesome, but at the same time, it's a little intimidating. And then it hit me. Chris doesn't care if I'm passionate about this. He just wanted me to preach because he didn't want to follow Jeff Foxworthy and Andy freaking Stanley. So that's how I'm here. Just to kill the mood really fast. This is a kind of a nicer way to ask this question. It's, you know, there's a much darker version of this question. Just kill the mood. I want to ask you this. I want you to think about it internally. What response would my community have if I moved to another state or moved to another town? Just kind of ponder that for a moment. Think about that. Just again, I just want to completely kill the mood. I want you guys to think about this, kind of this existential question, per se. What would happen if all of a sudden I was no longer here, if I up and moved to another town? What would my response or the response of my community be? The reason I'm asking you this question is uh, I have a three-year-old. Uh, they're really cool and fun and weird. Um, I'm going to be really honest. Uh, she has, like, the most amazing memory of anybody I've ever met. Um, just, uh, just the other day, uh, we, we, uh, we're eating some food and we had some, some avocado and some tomatoes cause we love those things. Like it's delicious. I love avocado. Uh, and so we, we ate some avocado and there were some tomatoes that was kind of mixed into it. And, uh, um, so I knew we had tomatoes. We only cut up like one or two of them, but there was a whole like, you know, bunch of them. And, and a couple days later, me and my wife, we were frantically going through, the kitchen, the, the refrigerator, trying to find out where these tomatoes are. Like, where do the tomatoes go? Where are the tomatoes? At? Where do the tomatoes go, right? Like, we're just frantically searching. Then finally, it gets me. I'm like, my kid's really weird. So, hey, Amelia, do you know where the tomatoes are? She says, no, sorry. I hid them. What? Where are they? No, sorry. Sorry. I hid them. What do you mean you hid them? Where, where did you hide them? Oh, here, right here. And the, She's so easy to, to manipulate. She walks over, she opens the cabinet, and right behind the Tupperware, there's our freaking tomatoes just sitting there. We had to throw them away. It had been a few days. They're gross. Um, she's just so weird, but she has this amazing memory. I'm like, this happened days before is when she hid these tomatoes. Wh like, wh what's going on in that brain? I don't know. You know, but she hid these tomatoes. But the days later, she knew exactly where they were. And then finally, actually, another example was just this past weekend. Uh, my wife had uh, had this big event on Saturday. Uh, she's a theater teacher at Northeast High School. They had some big theater event going. Um, and uh, she had to make muffins for this event, uh, for like the judges of this event, she had to make some muffins, so she made a bunch, but she got enough, because she loves me, she got enough packs of the uh, 
the, the mix for me to have some muffins as well, okay? And so she kept those there for me so that I could make them the next day so that not only could I have muffins, but I would have fresh muffins, right? Because she, she just loves me. Um, and so Amelia knew that we had muffins. The night before, she goes to bed. She's talking about, about her muffins all the way up until she fell asleep. She goes to bed. She wakes up the next day. And I wake up at 6.30 in the morning to her kind of standing at the foot of my bed. I don't know what's going on. It's 6.30 in the morning. I've just woken up. She's just sitting there saying something really goofy about a shirt she's wearing. And she's like, isn't that silly? And she's just being all, all happy and weird. And then all of a sudden, she turns just as serious as can be and says, I want my muffins. <laughs> Dude. So I, I, I got up. We, we made some muffins and ate them. It was great. Now, here's the thing. Here's where this question comes from. Back in October, she turned three, uh, so for her third birthday, we decided we were going to take the day off work, and uh, we actually took her down to Opry Mills. We went to Build-A-Bear. We had this really big, fun day planned where we're going to go let her build a bear, which that was awful. Um, it was great. She just couldn't decide what she wanted, and like, finally, I'm like, okay, that's the one we're getting. Get out of the store. Anyway, so we, we help her build a bear, and then we're going to go and eat at the aquarium restaurant. Um, because she loves bishes, and that's how she says it. Hey, yeah, child of God, that's right. She she says she she just loves bishes, and so she's in there. She's just looking around, you know. She's just amazed, and she's having such a good time. I was just so excited because like I planned this awesome fun event for her, and it was an awesome fun event for her, and it it was just a success and a big win, and and so it was weird. We were eating fish at the aquarium restaurant. I don't know quite how I still feel about that, but, you know, it was tasty. It was very fresh, um, and so we're leaving the mall, okay, and this is where the question comes from. You're like, finally, Dave, will you please come back to the question? This is where it comes from. We're leaving the mall, and all of a sudden, like, we open the door to walk out to the car. We're there at the parking lot, and I'm like, Amelia, did you have a fun time? She's like, yeah, throws her bear up in the air and just takes off running, and I'm like, what is she doing? Like, why is she the way that she is? You know, like, I tried to do make things fun, and you make them not that way. And so, like, I, I it's hard to believe, but, again, I don't sport. I don't athletics. So I'm running as fast as I've ran in years, you know, since birth, really, probably. Like, I'm just fat guy huffing it through that parking lot trying to catch up to her. She's, like, diving between cars, like, because she's small. And that's, like, you know, that's a big open space. It's not a big open space for me. So I'm, you know, trying to get through, trying to dodge the, uh, the uh, you know, rear or side view mirrors, and unsuccessfully trying to dodge the side view mirrors, mind you. I finally catch her, and I get there, and I'm just frantic because all I can think about is, like, what if she just came running out and, like, a car hit her, right? And I'm just, I'm frantically trying to get to her, and I finally catch her, and it took about 30 minutes to catch my breath, and, and I said, baby girl, what if a car had hit you? And it wasn't really any response. I was just kind of what came out of me in that moment because that's all I could think about is what if a car had hit her? What if a car had hit her? What if a car had hit her? So we get back in the car, and we're driving, and we get kind of halfway between Clarksville and uh, – uh, or halfway between Nashville and Clarksville, and, and, and she, she says, hey, Daddy, what, what would have happened if a car had hit me? And I'm like, girl, you're a little young to be having these existential 
questions right now, right? You know, like, girl, I thought we at least had a few more years before you actually kind of started to understand that concept. But she, she just has this amazing memory. And so she started asking this question. So I replied how any good father would reply. I'm like, baby girl, that is a really good question. And your mom has an answer for you. Um, now, now we just, I don't know, it just started this new game where we kind of talk about that stuff. Like every so often, she'll just ask a question that's like, very much in this mindset of what would happen if so-and-so was no longer here, or what would happen if so-and-so was no longer here, and it's this weird question. I know you're thinking. You're thinking we're a bunch of weirdos. Who is this freak on stage, and how can I get out of that exit without anybody seeing you? You can't. One exit. I'm watching. No, I'm just playing. No, you, you know, like, but it's just this weird thing of ours, and as I've been going through this with my daughter over and over and over again, this, this, this weird existential, you know, existential question of, like, what would happen if I no longer existed, right? It brought me to another question, and the question is, is what would happen in Clarksville if one church wasn't here anymore? You see, it gets quiet a little bit. What would happen in one church, or in Clarksville, if one church wasn't here anymore? Truth be told, we think highly of ourselves, so we think that along the way we might have made some people upset. There might be some people who don't necessarily like us, so some people might celebrate, right? Would they celebrate? You know, would, would it be a, a, a rendition of thank you very much from the, the Scrooge movie, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, the older version of, of A Christmas Carol? People dancing and cheering through the streets. Thank you very much. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever done for me, right? I'm so glad one church is gone. In some ways, some people would grieve, right? Some people would grieve. They would, they would uh, think that, you know, hey, you know, uh, they, they would be upset. It would be like an Old Testament moment of people ripping their clothes and putting on their, their burlap and there'd be weeping and gnashing of teeth, right? People walking through the streets, wailing in agony, right? Some people would grieve. And then here's the thing, we actually kind of like to hang out with just those two categories. And if, if you've been in, in the internet for any length of time, you would probably begin to, you know, place people into some categories, Right? You begin to place people groups or certain organizations into categories. We would, we would hang out in these celebrate or grieve categories, right? We would have, uh, you know, uh, Facebook, you know, because Facebook has told you that this person hates the church, then you just know that they're in the celebrate category. They're not with you. They're against you, right? Or, or you've, you've heard on some, you know, on, on your news channel that that person or that group or that organization is just very anti-church, so you, you just know that they would be in that category. Some people are, you know, I've heard that that candidate loves the church. So, you know, you just know that they're in the celebrate category, right? And so we start to place people and groups and organizations into this diagram. And if you've, you know, most of you probably already have a mental image of what that, that diagram would look like, right? Because I know, because Facebook told me the school's against church, then I know the school's against church, you know? So they are definitely in this category. And, and we just kind of place people there. But the truth is, is, there's not just two categories, right? There's not just people who would celebrate, people who grieve. There's also people who would lead with apathy. They would be apathetic. Their response would be apathy, lack of caring. They simply wouldn't care, not necessarily for us, not necessarily against us. They don't know anything about us. They just simply don't care. If one church was to disappear, most 
most people in Clarksville would not care because they don't know who one church is. It's a sad, hurtful reality, but it's true. That's where we are. So it gives you three categories of people, right? We got our friends, okay, right? People who would grieve, the people who would be upset that we're not here. Those are our friends. We've got our enemies, right? People who celebrate, people who who cheer, people who are excited that we're no longer here. Those would be our enemies. And then finally, we've got our neighbors, and our neighbors are the people who, who they're just out there. We're people that we come across day in and day out, but we never really talk to them. We've never interacted with them. They don't know who we are. There's just no real relationship with them. So they wouldn't care, right? They, these would be our apathetic people. We have our friends who we have a positive relationship with. We have our enemies where there's a negative relationship with. And then our neighbors who there's kind of a neutral or a no relationship There's nothing for them to formulate an opinion on about us, so they just don't care. The problem is, the scary thing, the dangerous thing with this, as we begin to create these categories and begin to place people in these categories, is this, as we begin to allow the category to determine how we respond to them. Over time, it becomes very, very easy for us to allow the category that we place people in to determine how it is we respond and how it is we interact with those people. I mean, think about it. It's completely human. It's completely normal. It's completely ordinary for us to do this, right? I mean, it would be so easy for us to, you know, love those who love us, I mean, if someone's friendly and kind and always courteous to you, someone who's always helpful and very, you know, just loving towards you, it's so easy to respond with loving and kind and friendship to that person. Or if someone's always hateful, saying things that you don't agree with, things that you, you know, strongly, you know, stand against, if someone is always, you know, kind of of not kind, kind of the opposite of friendly, it's so easy for us to then return and respond to that individual with not kind, with not friendly, right? It's it's only human. It's only normal. It's, It's ordinary. It's average. It's what we do. Nobody would blame you. In fact, we would almost, all of us, would feel completely justified in the way we treat one another, especially as it relates to this type of criteria, people that we don't know, we're just simply not going to care about. We would fall into apathy towards that person, right? We wouldn't care because we don't know them. We don't have a relationship with them. However, I believe that God has never once called his church, his people, his body to ever be average, ordinary, or normal, ever. I believe that we as the church should never, you know, allow ourselves to be average, should never allow ourselves to be ordinary, should never allow ourselves to be normal. And I dare say that I don't think anybody in here would get to the end of their life and think, man, I am just so thankful that I lived a completely average life. I'm so glad that I was just so ordinary. I'm so glad I was just so normal. Nobody would get there. The other thing on top of that is I believe this is one of the most important topics for us to discuss in the local church as it relates to how we relate to other people. We are a movement. We are a body. We are meant to do something, and the best way for us to do that is with not being ordinary, normal, or average. 
So where I kind of pull this out of is, is, uh, is, is, is this, this wonderful sermon that Jesus taught uh, in, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So basically, this, let me give a little context here. Uh, if, if you're going to read with us, you can, you can go and turn to chapter 5 if, if, of Matthew. If you've uh, you got your phones, if you've got the version app, you can go and pull that up, and you can actually follow along. I've, I've implemented or put it in for you, so you can just, like, click live in one church, and then boom, it's all there. Or even better yet, if you're real lazy like myself, I'm going to have it right here for you. Okay, so um, so Matthew 5, a little context leading up to it. Jesus is there. He's teaching people. He decides there's a great crowd or a good crowd there. So he walks up a mountain. He sits down and begins teaching. And that's the context. You wind up with what's called Sermon on the Mount. Why? Because he walked up on a mount, sat down, and started teaching. Like that is where we get the idea of Sermon on the Mount. He taught Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is some of the things that he taught. Most scholars believe that he was there for two or three days. This was actually a very long sermon. This wasn't something that just happened over 30 minutes and they went home. I'm going to go about 30 minutes. You guys have a lot to be thankful for. But this was something he taught for two or three days. He was there on the Sermon on the Mountain just teaching. And it's a beautiful message. It's full of these, like, really, you know, like, great one-liners where, like, you can take it and, like, like just that one little segment, and it's great. It's perfect. It's like a sermon full of big ideas. You know, we try to take the entire message and turn it into one big idea. Like, this is just a sermon of nothing but big ideas. And it's, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's also very discouraging. You're thinking, can he say that? I will. I've got the mic. I'm going to be honest. It's incredibly discouraging. It's full of these ideas where Jesus says, hey, you've heard it said, blank, but I say, I say, blank, you've heard it said, ordinary, average, normal, but I say, higher expectations, higher cause, right, more involved, you've heard it said, but I say, I give you a great example, one thing he says, you've heard it said that you should not commit murder, right? Of course, everyone's thinking, yeah, yeah, I've heard that said. That's, that's normal. That's ordinary. That's average. We should not commit murder. We should not murder people. That's normal. That's average. That's ordinary. Everybody, with the exception of the unnormal, right, can agree that we shouldn't kill each other. But I say that even if you've just been angry at someone, it's as if you've murdered them in your heart. Ooh, that's higher. That's, that's a bit of a bigger expectation. You might find that encouraging. I find that discouraging. Yeah. Another great moment in this is he says, hey, you've heard that you should not commit adultery. Everyone's like, yeah, yeah, I got that. I understand. You know, but I say, dang it. If you've even just lusted after a woman, it's as if you've already done the deed. So if you're here and you're hanging your head on, on, no, I'm just messing with you. Seriously, like, it's just so incredibly discouraging. If you've heard it said, average, ordinary, normal, but I say anything but average, ordinary, normal. And that brings us to verse 43. You've heard it. You have heard that it was said, right? We already begin to pick up some of the, the language we've been talking about, that, that, that thing, that, that, you know, that, that rhythm that he's been going through. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Again, everyone in the crowd, they're thinking normal, average, ordinary things. Yes, that absolutely makes sense. Someone loves me, I love them back. Someone hates me, I hate them back. That absolutely makes sense, Jesus. What's your point? We get to verse 44. He says, but I tell you, 
love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Ooh. See, I don't know if I really wanted you to continue, Jesus. Can we just go back to when you said, you've heard it said, love your friends and hate your enemies, love your neighbors and hate your enemies. Can we just hang out there for a moment? I mean, Jesus, I get get that you're saying that we should go above and beyond. I I get that you're saying we shouldn't be anything but ordinary, average, or normal. We should be something that is absolutely above average, above normal, above ordinary. But Jesus, surely you don't mean that I should actually go and love like Starbucks with their pagan holiday cups. Right? I mean, Jesus, certainly you're not saying that I should pray for good things for that insanely liberal co-worker that I have. Surely, Jesus, you're not saying that I should pray for good things for that incredibly conservative uncle of mine that always ruins Thanksgiving. Surely, Jesus, you don't mean. Why? Why would I do that? Why would I be anything but normal, average, or ordinary? He continues on and says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who, pro- or who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven, who, by the way, he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous, I think Jesus just dropped the mic. I'm going to be real honest with you for a moment. God's basically saying, hey, you love your enemies and you pray good things for them so that you are like your father in heaven, who, by the way, doesn't categorize people into friends, enemies, and neighbors, who would never allow the category that you place on them to control whether or not he loves them or how he responds to them. And I say to you and I say to myself, how dare I think that I have the right to choose how I respond to someone based on a category that I put them in? How dare I think that I'm bigger or greater than God, that I have the right to decide that I'm going to love that person, hate that person, and not care at all about that person? How dare I? I think Jesus is saying, hey, there's something more than the categories that you put them in. There's really only one category, and that is the fact that they are a person. And that you respond to them based on the fact that they are a person. Which really brings me to my big idea today, and that is our response should always be love. Our response should always be love. Whenever we decide that we're going to tear down the categories, whenever we're not going to allow the categories that we place people in to control how we respond to them, our response should always be love. When we decide that I'm going to actually be humble and accept the fact that I am not greater than the God that I believe in, I will always have response of love. We think so highly of ourselves to think that we have the ability to choose when God never would. Our response should always be love. 
Again, my big idea, or uh, it continues on. If, if you weren't aware, if you don't think that this is enough for you, if you're not ready to actually take the stance yet, Jesus actually continues because he knew the people in his crowd weren't quite ready to just jump on board with this. He says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? What? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Now, let me explain the word tax collector. The word tax collector is kind of the, the, the lowest of the low. It's the epitome of the worst person in society. The, in, in our world, in our you know, universe, the word tax collector could easily be replaced with that 22-year-old drug dealer that's selling drugs to your middle schoolers. What reward can you expect for loving those that love you? You're no better than little Cheeto selling, you know, selling marijuana to little Jimmy. You know, like, who are you? Who do you think you are? You're no better than him. What are you doing more than others? If you only greet those who greet you, if you only greet your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Do not even pagans do that. Hey, hey, I, I get it. You, you love to say hello to your friends. You love to say hello to the people who think the same way, who treat the, or act the same way, who believe the same way. You're no better than the pagans. You're no better than those stupid holiday cups. <laughs> and then Jesus ends it with this amazing statement that says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. What is the definition of perfect that I can pull out from this? It's love. What does Jesus say? Why, why is be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect, placed at the end of this long statement of loving everyone, loving your enemies? Why? Because perfection is love. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Again, our response, my big idea today is this. Our response should always be love. Our response should always be love. It doesn't matter if the person is a friend, is an unknown neighbor, or a known enemy. Our response is love. Now, why is this so important? Why does this matter so much? Well, the answer is this, the only way to move someone from enemy to friend is how? It's to love them. If we are to be the body of Christ, if we are to be the church, if we are to be his hands and feet, then we are to always respond with love. If we are to advance his kingdom, if we are to advance what it is he's doing, then we are to respond with love. Now, can you just imagine with me for a moment? Imagine with me. Imagine a moment where, where we decided to create such an energy, we decided to create such an explosion, such a wave of generosity that there is not a single person in Clarksville that could personally hold anything against us. Could you imagine if we decided we're going to do something so big and so large that even the mayor of Clarksville is saying, you know what, I don't necessarily believe what they believe, I don't necessarily understand what they believe, but I like them because they are clearly doing something for our community. Can you imagine with me for a moment? Can you imagine if you decided today that, you know what, that coworker that I'm just constantly butting heads with, I'm only going to respond with love? 
can you imagine that uncle at Thanksgiving that you decide I'm only going to respond with love? No matter how much they try to bait me into an argument, no matter how much they try to get me to fight with them, no matter how much they try to get me to really attack them or respond with anything but love, I'm only going to respond with love. Can you imagine what that would do? So I have a couple challenges for you. One, I believe in baby steps. I believe that things aren't always going to instantly you be able to just click it on in your head and go with it. So I believe some of us need stepping stones. This is going to be really cliche. Everybody say, that's lame, Dave. That's lame, Dave. Some of you, you just simply need to take one small step and take from the old homage of if I can't say anything nice, I'm not going to say anything at all. Right? Some of us just need to learn how to shut our mouths. I'm talking to myself in this, so please don't feel like I'm attacking you. I've never said anybody's name. I thought about a couple. No, I'm just playing. I am so tired of us saying, yes, I love Christ. I love God. I love Christ. I love God. I love people. I love the world. God loves the world, but I hate those people, and I'm going to share all about how this guy destroys that group of people or how that guy destroys this group of people. Shut your mouths. Some of the best way we can love people is just simply stop talking. Next step is maybe you need to actually take a step out of love towards someone who disagrees with you. Take a step to simply get to know who they are. And then as a church, this is my final step of be rich. There are 235 firefighters in the city of Clarksville. Now, I personally put a name on every single envelope, and I had uh, Grace uh, Ramsey, she's such an awesome little student of mine, help me actually put all of these in here. I've prepared something for you guys, and I want everybody to participate. So you see, here's the thing about the firefighters. Some of them absolutely love us. We would call them friends. Some of them probably don't like us. We would probably call them enemies. And the vast majority of us don't even know who we are, and so we just wouldn't care. But I would love for every firefighter to feel loved this holiday season. So every adult in the room, I have these sitting in the hallway. I want you to take one. There's a name on it. I want you to pray for that name. I want you to pray that they would feel loved, that they would feel accepted, that they would feel known, and that maybe they might take a step of faith towards him. Second thing I want you to do is I actually want you to write a little thank you card, a thank you note for them. I included a card for you. Then the third thing I want you to do is put a five to ten dollar gift card to anywhere. So wherever you guys do, don't do like Home Depot or Lowe's. I mean, five to ten dollars isn't going to get you much there. Just something into this envelope and I want you to seal it. I want you to bring it back by December 2nd to us because I want our fire department to know that we love them no matter where they stand in the terms of the categories that they place us in. So I'm going to pray and the band's going to lead us in worship. I am so thankful for you guys. Thank you. God, I want to come to you today I'm just humbled and thankful for the uh, amazing group of people you have me. Uh, serving alongside with. God, thank you for these 
these amazing people who whenever we say we want 100% of participation, that they, God, they take it and they run with it. God, thank you for allowing me to be a part of a church that is determined to be outside of these walls. God, help us to never allow ourselves to fall into average, ordinary, or normal 